Welcome to our online services this morning. Looking forward to uh, spending the day worshiping and uh, singing and learning together from the Word of God. We're just glad that you're able to be a part of it uh, based on uh, some of the things that are happening here in our state and some of the relaxing of guidelines. Uh, We're believe we're coming really to the end of using this as the primary uh, form of getting together, if you can call it getting together, and uh, I'll be talking about that and some announcements at the end of the service uh, this morning, so especially for our church family, if you'd stay tuned to that after the message, we'd appreciate it. Uh, But I just want to say how uh, this has not been as hard as far as my my perspective and us doing this work uh, like we're doing it, it's not as been as challenging as, as some people might imagine, and, uh, but there are challenges with it. Uh, one thing that I've enjoyed on a personal note is the fact that uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I'm able to sit with my wife and sing together and have her Bibles open together and uh, and enjoy the uh, ministry together. We've been um, here in St. Clair since we moved here in 1977. And since that time, it's very rare that we're able to sit together in a church service. So I'm enjoying that aspect of it. Uh, Before we pray, I just want to mention that our missionary for the week this week is Brother Kent Gossmeyer who's faithfully serving the Lord in England, been a missionary that we've partnered with for quite some time. We're going to be praying for him, and as we think about missions, we think about the work of the Lord here, uh, we think about uh, the importance of our stewardship, individuals, families, a church, about our giving, and I've said this numerous times, and it's not just, I don't want this just to be vain words, but we're very thankful Uh, for the faithfulness of our church family and giving. I read a missionary's uh, prayer letter update this past week, and this missionary was anticipating the need to increase uh, their level of support. And because they're anticipating that that giving might uh, be, uh, their giving from churches might be reduced because of the fact that the income to the churches might be reduced. I'm just very thankful uh, for how the Lord is meeting needs and how he's using our people. And I just thank you for your faithfulness. And so let's, let's have a word of prayer and we'll continue in the service today. Our Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to uh, just to worship you, to uh, get into your word together in a moment. We pray that you would bless it. We do pray today for churches around our country and around the world that are preaching the gospel, that are staying true to the word of God, and today are doing what they can do in these circumstances, in this unique time, to get the word of God out, to edify the saints, to, uh, to lead people to obedience, to discipleship. We pray for those who are serving you and representing us around the world, missionaries that we support. We especially pray this week for the Gossmeyer family. We pray that you'd bless the work there in England. We pray that your hand would be upon them.
that you would help them to navigate through these uh, very unusual times. And we thank you for your wisdom that you give us, the guidance that you give uh, your servants. We're grateful for it. We pray again that you'd bless as we study the Word of God together. Open our eyes. Help us to behold wondrous things out of thy law. And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for uh, joining us today, being a part of our evening service. And we're going to have prayer in just a moment before we have some special music and get into our Bible study together. I just want to remind you our, for our church family that our missionary of the week this week is the Kent Gossmeyer family. We appreciate the Gossmeyer's faithfulness in their ministry in England. We'll be praying for them all this week, trusting the Lord to meet their needs. And um, we're just grateful that we can partner with them, both in praying for them and also giving financially uh, through our faith promise commitments. And once again, I just appreciate the faithfulness of our people. And it's not faithfulness to me. It's faithfulness to the Lord and faithfulness to the ministry uh, the Lord has given us here in this community and also around the world. And I'm just, I thank the Lord for it. Praise the Lord for it. I've heard of churches that are really uh, struggling financially and have been praying for them. And uh and that doesn't mean that we don't have needs. It just means that, that uh, we're thankful that God uses his people uh, to support, finance his work. We're thankful to the Lord for that. So let's have a word of prayer. Ask God to bless in the services as we proceed, all right? Father, we thank you again for the privilege that we have to seek your face. And Father, we thank you for the grace you give us in various stages of life and circumstances that we find ourselves in. And Father, our confidence is not in our ability, Lord, to make adjustments in our own wisdom, in our own ability, but Lord, to depend upon you and trust you. We do pray, Father, for those churches and those servants of the Lord who are ministering around the world God, you would give great grace to them, so many that we'll never know this side of eternity, but also for those that we do know. We pray that your hand of blessing would be upon them. We especially pray for churches, Lord, in different parts of our country and other parts of the world who are seeking to respect local and national guidelines, but also obey you, Lord, in getting your word out and ministering to people. We trust you, Lord, to bless. And Father, we do pray for the Gossmeyers uh, today that you would bless them in a very special way this week. As a church family, we want to pledge to pray for them, lift them up in prayer, and trust you to use them. We thank you that we can partner with them and so many others around the world to get the gospel out. We thank you and praise you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's take our Bibles and be turning to the psalm this morning, and we're going to be in the fourth psalm. And I hope you have your Bible there, and I hope you'll uh, give special attention, uh, even though we're not assembling here together, that you'll give special attention to your word and take advantage of this opportunity. Uh, those of you who have children especially, to just to guide them about how to respect the Bible, how to respect the preaching, how to respect the time of worship. This is a great opportunity uh, to invest in our families, invest in our children, and uh, we're looking forward to getting into the scripture uh, together today. I want to read the entire psalm, Psalm 4, beginning in verse 1. And if you'll notice uh, the title before the first verse, the title, it says it's a psalm of David. And I'll refer back to that as we go uh, through the message today. But beginning in verse 1, we find these words, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O you sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. And then verse 8, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. That's a great comforting verse, isn't it? Lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. It's a beautiful psalm. Um, one of the things that the psalms do, especially the psalms of David, I think, they sort of give us insight into the heart of the writer. And of course, David, we know because Samuel identified him this way as the the king that would take the place of Saul, that he was a man after God's own heart. And we see this in this psalm as we do many others. I want to begin in a moment by just briefly surveying the psalm, but I want to focus especially on something that David says. It's like a testimony of David about a particularly difficult time in his life. And I would direct your attention again to verse 1 where we notice these words, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. And I want us to think about that subject as we uh, really uh, make an application, not only to our lives during this period of time, but in general. You know, like so many of the Psalms, uh, David wrote in this passage about his relationship with God. And just as an introduction, I want to just focus on that a moment. He emphasized his prayer life in several places. Look in verse 1, if you would, please. The last part, 
Well, let's just read the first and last part of verse 1. Verse 1, uh, the first part of the verse says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. That's talking about his praying, talking to God. The last part of verse 1 says, Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. In verse 3, it says in the last part of the verse, The Lord will hear when I call upon him. So we see that this is um, a big part of David's life, was his prayer life. And I just want to mention this as we begin. You know, perhaps nothing more than prayer really points to a close relationship with God, having this, this time of communion with God and talking with God. And he also mentions in verse 1 an interesting uh, phrase in, in the first part of the verse when he says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. God of my righteousness. David recognized that his righteousness was based upon his relationship with God. David was not trusting in himself. He was not trusting in his good works. He was not trusting any deeds of his own. He was trusting in God for his righteousness. You know, the Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. One of the sad things about many religions is it's based on personal righteousness, based on doing good deeds. But that's not what the Bible teaches. God is the God of our righteousness. But in this psalm, and this is not, uh, this is not unusual, that, that what I'm about to say, in this psalm, you know, David talks about his personal struggles. He talks about some of the trials of life. Again, I direct your attention to verse 1, where he says, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. You know, it's a reminder, and there's nothing wrong with being reminded of this, and that is that those who are closely related to God have times of difficulty. Sometimes people think, well, if I just walk with God, if I get right with God, if I let God have His way in my life, I'm never going to have problems. And that may sound good, but that's not taught in the Bible. And David had his share, really more than his share, we might say, of distresses. So he says there in verse 1, when I was in distress. So we see that by David's looking back, when I was in distress. He's referring to a particular time, and he's speaking in the past tense, when I was in distress. By the way, if... If we had to think about um, this matter of personal trial or difficulty or distress, this is probably the part of distress that we would like the most, and that's when it's behind us. And he's referring to when it was behind him. And so this is something very common in the Psalms. One of the reasons I like the Psalms so much, it's obviously God's Word. It's very devotional, much of it in its writing. But the writer often talked about uh, afflictions and trials and difficulties and, and how we face these things in life and how we can go through them. And one might ask the question, why does the Bible include so many references to this matter of hardship? We think about uh, Joseph in the Old Testament who was uh, betrayed by his brothers. He was sold as a slave. He was falsely accused. He spent time in prison and uh, he's one of the great examples of the Bible. Of course, Job stands out in our mind, who endured such a dark time, who lost almost everything that he valued 
and yet he was a man who, who was very diligent about his relationship with God. Of course, the New Testament, we think about the Apostle Paul, who was beaten, left for dead, betrayed by his friends. You know, in the epistle of James, James chapter 1, James writes about how we're to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations and trials and hardship. And then when Peter was writing in his epistles, he said that, that these fiery trials are things that are common in the brethren throughout the world. It's just a very common part of life. Now trials, trials are not the only part of our life, but they're a major part, an integral part of our journey. And I just want to say this uh, about trials and preaching and teaching and the role that uh, trials play in um, the, the messages that we declare and preach. And that is this, you know, preachers who do not spend at least a significant portion of their time talking about the reality of hardships are not really teaching and preaching the whole counsel of God. And sometimes people who, who uh, listen to preaching expect that preaching is going to always be about how we, we always have uh, this pain-free existence and we're always going to be well and we're never going to have financial needs and, and problems aren't going to come. But I'm just here to say that's, that may sound good to some people, but it's not what we find in the Bible. David experienced his times of distress. And so go back to verse 1, he says, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. David knew what it was like to be in distress. Now, what is meant by distress? Uh, distress is another word for affliction, trouble, uh, difficulty, hardship. David was very familiar with distress. You can remember when um, Saul was the first king of Israel, and David killed Goliath. And when they began to rejoice as a nation because of the victory over the Philistines, and particularly over Goliath, and, and they were singing this song, basically Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands, that Saul became very jealous. And as a result of that bitterness and jealousy and envy, uh, he hunted after David. He wanted to kill David. He tried to kill him on a number of occasions. He really hunted him like an animal. David was hiding in caves and things, and yet all he did was he did to try to do his best to faithfully serve the Lord and help Saul. And so David knew about distress. He knew about the pain of having friends forsake him. And, and that was a part of his journey, part of his experience. One of the hardest times, I'm sure, of David's life was when he was uh, betrayed by his son, Absalom. The agony of having his son uh, conspire against him, steal the hearts of the people from him. And David, to me, one of the most emotional passages in the Scriptures when we see David as he's leaving Jerusalem weeping and uh, because of the hardship that he was experiencing. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking here in Psalm 4... Just look, and mine's on the same page, Psalm 3. Just briefly look at this with me, if you would, please. Psalm 3, it says in the title of the psalm, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son, leaving, fleeing his own son. He had done nothing but try to help his son 
um, there in the, at the end after uh, some of the conflict in the family. We won't go into those details, but, but notice what it says in just the first few verses of Psalm. We're talking about David's experience with distress. This is what David wrote during this time in his life. Verse 1. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Now this is beautiful writing, but it's not just poetry. It's not fiction. This is, this is the real sentiment of a man who loves God and is trying to serve the Lord. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. He's wasting his time believing that God's going to help him. Selah. But verse 3 says, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. So David was experienced with distress. And it, back to Psalm 4 in verse 1. David testified of something that occurred when he was in distress. I'm, go back over it again in verse 1 of Psalm 4. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. So David said, something happened to me when I was in distress. And he says, thou hast, speaking to God, thou hast enlarged me. Now, what does that mean? To enlarge. It means to make large or to get larger. It, it, it means that something is growing. David was speaking of his personal growth. He was speaking of his spiritual and perhaps even his emotional maturity that was taking place when he was in distress. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Now, who was it that caused David to be enlarged or to grow when he was in distress? It was God that did it. He said, thou, he's speaking to God, thou hast enlarged me. God grew David, if we could say it that way, when he was in distress. So what was going on in David's life when he was being afflicted? No doubt there was pain. No doubt he was living with problems and difficulties and trials and suffering, perhaps mental anguish. All these things are going on in his life, just like things like that go on in our life. When we're having difficulty and trials and problems, it could be financial woes. It can be family problems. It could, it could be sicknesses or physical ailments. Various things happen in our life, but these things are going on and we feel that pain. We experience that hurt. We know that confusion. But something else was going on in David's life. While all this was going on, he said he was growing. He was being made better. He was maturing. He was improving. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. He didn't say, I, my life has been free from anguish, free from trouble. He says, no, I've had distress in my life, but when I was having this distress, God was enlarging me. God was helping me to grow. And I want us to think about that today. How can distress enlarge us? How can it how can it enlarge us? How can it help us, benefit us, help us to grow? And one thing I, I think of when I read this is distress, problems, difficulties, have uh, the ability to sometimes 
weaken us. And because it weakens us, because we can't see how we can manage on our own, it results in us looking to God more. So that's one of the benefits of distress, is it, it usually, it can anyway, cause us to look to God more. You know, it was David. Matter of fact, I want to turn to this passage in Psalm. Hold your finger here in Psalm 4, but go to Psalm 56, where David makes this great confession about how he turned to God in a time of fear. Psalm 56, and again, if you'd notice the title, the last part of the title, it says, When the Philistines took him in Gath. Now, what did David say in Psalm 56.1? And we're talking about how distress can weaken us, which would result in us turning to God. Look in verse 1. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He, talking about man, fighting daily oppresseth me. Daily oppressing me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. But then this great classic statement in verse 3, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. You know what David said? I'm being distressed daily. My oppressors are coming against me. And what is he going to do? He's fearful. But what is he going to do in his fear? He's going to turn to God. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. He, was, he knew to turn to God. Distress can cause us to turn to God. It can weaken us and cause us to turn to the Lord. So distress is not this there to cause us anguish. It's there as an incentive for us to turn to the Lord. Not only can distress weaken us, but distress can also teach us. And again, I'm going to ask that you hold your place in Psalm 4 and be turning with me, if you would, to the 119th Psalm. 119th Psalm. My wife and I, in our daily Bible reading this week, have been reading in, in this wonderful Psalm, Psalm 119. And there's a couple of passages that I want to look at with you that have to do with how distress, our problems, our afflictions can actually be learning moments for us. Valuable lessons can be, can be discovered, can be uh, refreshed in our memory, can become applicable in times of distress. Look in Psalm 119 and verse 67. Psalm 119, verse 67. What, look at these words. Before I was afflicted, affliction, trial, pain, various kinds of hardship. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before I was afflicted, I tend to get off the right path. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Before I was afflicted, I had this tendency to, to wander away. But now, because of what I've learned, I've kept God's word. I'm just saying distress can teach us. Drop down just a few more verses, if you would, to Psalm 119 and verse 71. The Bible says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. It's good for me that I've experienced these difficult times, that I might learn thy statutes, that I might learn your word. 
Distress can enlarge us. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. It can, it can bring us to a time of need, feeling needy or, or, or realizing that we're, we're not strong enough on our own. We need God's help. But it could also be a learning experience that we can learn valuable lessons in times of distress. Now, having said all that, I must acknowledge to you today that probably none of us look forward to difficult times. None of us, and none of us pray, God send me a great storm in my life. I, I just really feel like that would be a benefit to me. And I'm, I'm asking you, if you don't mind, just to really afflict me. None of us feel that way. We don't want to hurt. By default, we're, we're programmed for, for comfort, for peace, for tranquility. That's what we really want. And things like uncertainty and confusion and necessity, afflictions, setbacks, all these things are unwelcomed visitors into our life. But one thing we can know, when distress comes, and it will come, God will not allow distress in our life for no reason. God wants to use it in our life. As I was preparing uh, for this message, I was thinking about the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son left the father's house. He had, a, he had an older brother, of course. The prodigal son was the younger son. He left the father's house for a life of fun. Uh, or folly, we could say. And uh, he went to the far country and he wasted his substance. He asked for his inheritance. He squandered it on, on riotous living, the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke. And what, what was the result of that? After all of his money was gone, he lost his, he lost his friends. He lost his uh, fortune. He lost his, his family. He was separated from his father and his family. And he, he found himself in a place of brokenness. He found himself in a place of loneliness. If we could say he found himself in a place of distress. And a result of all of that was the Bible says he came to himself. He started to see things differently. He started to realize how foolish he had acted. The personal distress brought on by his foolish decisions, his behavior, and the painful shame of regret had a powerful impact on him, a very profound a positive impact on him. It caused him to come to himself, to evaluate where he was. You know, the worst thing that could have happened to the prodigal son would have been for him to succeed in his rebellion. <clears throat> in his distress, in dis his distress, brought on because of his foolish decisions, but because he experienced the consequences of living a life that was not pleasing to God and not pleasing to his father, he came to himself. You know, looking back on my own life, and perhaps you can feel the same way about your life, one of the best things that ever happened to me many, many years ago was when my circumstances and the consequences of living a selfish, self-centered, 
ungodly life resulted in my world falling apart. As I often say, it was like the rug was jerked out from under me. And I was left with a lot of regret, a lot of pain, a lot of shame. But you know what? The distress of that eventually led to me starting to seek for truth and to go to church. My wife and I began to attend church. And we came to know the Lord. We heard the gospel. We turned our life over to the Lord. I'm just saying the distress that comes to our life can be for our benefit. And that's a part of what the psalmist is saying here, what David is saying in Psalm 4.1, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. It helped me grow. It helped me improve. Now, let me just say this to all of us today. Is, and I know that most of the people who are listening are believers, or you wouldn't be probably listening, but some people may just be seekers. Maybe you're wanting to know more about the gospel, and you want to know more about how that you can have a relationship with God. But all of us, I put myself in that category, all of us need to be growing. Remember, thou hast enlarged me. You've caused me to grow. You've helped me to improve. All of us need to be growing spiritually. Let me read you a verse from Colossians chapter 1, a couple of verses, beginning in verse uh, 9. It says this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. Paul is writing to the Colossians. We do not cease to pray for you. And to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This was Paul's prayer for the Colossian believers. And then in verse 10 he says, That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And here's the key phrase I want us to think about. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Now we don't know where all these believers were spiritually, but Paul was praying that all of them would be increasing in the knowledge of God. All of us need to be growing spiritually. All of us need to be being enlarged spiritually. One other verse in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 in verse 3, Paul is writing to another church, the church at Colossae, and he says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. They were continuing to grow. When Peter closed out his final epistle, 2 Peter, he did so with this admonition, but grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. None of us have arrived. And yet, if we'd be honest, we can find ourselves sometimes sort of plateauing. We get saved, we're starting on this spiritual uh, improvement in our life. God is working in our life. But, if, but over the time, maybe months, maybe years, maybe decades, we begin to plateau. And our spiritual progress is sort of halted. All of us need to be growing. You know, just like we don't grow stronger physically by reclining on the sofa, and we don't grow stronger mentally by shunning or avoiding reading and studying, Generally, we may not grow spiritually without things that challenge us. And yet we need to be growing. 
But what the psalmist is telling us, even in distress, we can be growing. If we allow our problems to work in our life, if we let, as James said, patience have her perfect work, our adversity will not be wasted. It'll help us to grow. And I just want to encourage us all to use our distress as an incentive to draw closer to God. I'm going to look at one last passage in Psalm. If you have your Bible open there in Psalm 4, just turn to the right a little bit to Psalm 18. And in Psalm 18, we hear again the words of David. Psalm 18 and verse 4. He writes, The sorrows of death compass me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, surrounded me. The snares of death prevented me. He was in a bad place, humanly speaking. But look in verse 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of His temple, and my cry came before Him even into His ears. What did he say in verse 6 there? In my distress, I called upon the Lord. You know, all of us realize that what we've been going through in these recent weeks, this current state um, of disease and distress and discomfort, we want it to be gone. Obviously, we want it to be gone. But let's think about this. When we look back over this time period, when it's behind us, Will we be able to say, when we were in distress, God enlarged us. When we were going through this time, God was working in our lives. God was showing Himself strong. God was making Himself real. We were drawing closer to God. You know, for some, this uncertainty, this confusion has created an opportunity to think more seriously about spiritual matters, and especially to think more seriously about eternity, about the need to to be born again, to have a relationship with God. And we ought to be thinking about that. And if you're watching today, you're saying, well, I don't really know for certain, you know, that I've I've been born again. I just want to say again, as we've said often uh, during these uh, sermons here from our church during this period of time, that... It's not about us being good enough to go to heaven. None of us are good enough. But it's about us putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ who shed His blood for us, who sacrificed for us. And wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if there would be people that that came to know the Lord as a result of this difficult, distressing time? And we ought to ask ourselves some very simple questions uh, today. Number one, am am I ready to stand before God? Do I have peace in my heart? You know, once you die, it's too late to make decisions about what, where you're going to spend eternity. You have to make those decisions while you're alive. And if you're not saved, you ought to put your faith and trust in Christ, even today, or, or call somebody or text somebody, ask them for more information about this, or contact us on our website or by email and say, Give, I need some more information. We'd be glad to help you with that. And then as a believer... Ask this question, am I, am I growing in grace? Am I, I'm, you know, you can be reading the Bible on a daily basis and not really letting God work in your life. 
You know, think about how, how we were living before this started. I mentioned this in a sermon a few weeks ago. But, uh, you know, people say, well, I want to get back to normal. Well, normal may not have been the best place for us to be spiritually. You know, before all this started, was I serving the Lord acceptably? Was I busy about the Lord's work? Was I fulfilling His plan for my life? Or was I making excuses and and postponing and procrastinating the kinds of self-denial that Jesus called us to? You know, how are things going to be after this shutdown is behind us? Wouldn't it be great if many of us one day will look back on this time and say, like David said, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. It was, it was not what I wanted. It was not what I was looking for. The year 2020 brought great distress and challenges to our lives. But looking back, I can see how that during that time of distress, I was enlarged. God enlarged me. God helped me to grow. I hope that's your desire. I hope that's your testimony. Let's take advantage, as I've said so often, let's take advantage of this unique time to draw close to God and claim His promise that He'll draw close to us. In just a moment, I'm going to conclude with a word of prayer But let's don't dismiss this message from our mind immediately. Let's think about this together. And I'm just going to bow my head for just a moment and just give us time to think about this this psalm and this message in the psalm. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. I want to trust God to use this time in my life to help me grow, to help me improve, to help me benefit. Could we bow our heads for just a moment and maybe right where you are, you're ready to say, I've I've been hearing truth from this, maybe from this pulpit or from other places. I'm I'm ready to turn my life to the Lord. I'm ready to turn from my sin and trust Christ. You could do that right where you are today. Let's bow our heads together. Our Father, we thank you again for your word today and how your truth, your truth just stands out and so clearly guides us in times like this. And Lord, we pray today that while we're sometimes struggling with some of the things we're going through individually and as families, communities. I pray that the distress, the challenge that we find ourselves in would result in us drawing close to you. That we could say with the psalmist, thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Lord, we want to grow close to you. We don't want to stay where we are. We, we don't want to just plateau. We certainly don't want to go into spiritual decline and become lukewarm, complacent. God, deliver us from making excuses about our lack of obedience. 
We want to draw close to you. God, I pray for those who are listening who may not be saved, that the Spirit of God would work in their lives. Bring them to a place of surrender and repentance and faith in Christ. All for your honor and your glory. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take uh, just a couple of moments and talk to primarily our church family about um, something that's on all of our mind, and that is when are we going to be able to assemble together? When are we going to be able to uh, open up, as they're saying in our um, much of our much of our country and media? When are we going to be able to open up? And they're talking mainly about finances and um, the economy, things of that nature. Um, but I just want to say that, you know, it's really looking like um, maybe within the next week, perhaps um, by the 10th or, may, you know, I can't say for certain. I'm just saying tentatively that we could begin to have services back here in the auditorium. And that's what we want to see happen. And we're, let's just pray with us about that. There's things about it that we will we'll send out to our church family to notify you about the procedures because it won't be the same. It'll take a while to ever get to where it was as far as what we're allowed to do together. We'll continue to practice social distancing. The seating arrangement will be a little bit different. Uh, I'm, I'm certain, I'm fairly certain that when we begin, we will begin without nursery, without children's classes. And, um, and I know there's some, be some people who still may not feel comfortable about assembling, maybe you, uh, you've got some compromised immune system, things of that nature. Uh, so we understand that. We don't want people to feel like they, you know, they have to show up because we're showing up, but we're looking forward to being able to assemble together. It may be that you say, well, I'd, I'd like to come, but I th I'd be more comfortable uh, wearing a mask. Would that be okay? And we, we're not going to require people to wear a mask, but certainly people should wear them. It'd be up to your discretion, but you should wear them if it make you feel more comfortable. And so we're just, you know, we're going to be praying about it. We're going to get the news out to our church family, but we're excited about the fact that we are, uh, it appears that we're on the very, on the verge of being able to assemble again together. And so pray with us about that. Then I want to say a, a word about our straight paths, devotions. Uh, many of you know that you know, we've uh, been doing all, uh, video devotions. I've been reading those devotions. And um, I, I, I don't know, I just, it was a suggested to me, actually, that I'd consider doing it and, and just sort of give us, kind of keep us closer connected as a church family. And, and I've, I've enjoyed doing that, but I don't, I don't foresee doing that going forward. And just for the benefit of you, you may be uh, watching this and you've been getting those videos or appreciating the, t the truth, the subject matter. I'm not, I don't claim to be a good reader, a dramatic reader in those devotions. But, but uh, if you don't get those, you can get those via uh, email. You can sign up on our website for that. Or you could purchase, uh, we have two devotional books. Uh, each one has 365 devotions in it, a whole year's full of family or personal devotions. We could, you could purchase those through our bookstore on our website. So I just want to give you that heads up also about the Straight Paths uh, devotions and uh, 
the fact that we, we will not be, or at least I don't foresee us continuing to read them uh, going forward. And so uh, pray with us about all these decisions. We've, we've, uh, we've made a, uh, an effort uh, during this time to do everything that we could to really foster, encourage, uh, staying connected, spiritual growth, not, not becoming ne- neglectful in our spiritual life or negligent in our spiritual growth. And so uh, let's pray that going forward we'll continue to grow and, and God will work in our lives. Appreciate you very much. God bless.